0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. We're back with another episode of All the Hard Things. And I have a blast from the past here, you guys. I have Elise Petranzio, a.k.a. The Octopus. um, And we're going to talk about her story a little bit. We're going to talk about this really terrible thing that a lot of us do called thought stopping and what the heck does that have to do with the pink elephant? So um, yeah, let's just go ahead and get get started with it. So Elise, why don't you um, introduce yourself a little bit and then we'll start to get into thought stopping and, and why that was something that you wanted to take and do something with.
1: Sure. Well, thank you again for having me. So super excited to be back. I feel like so much has happened since the last time. Um, So my name is Elise. I am the founder and person who currently still runs the Octopus, which is an OCD advocacy and recovery shop. So we make different merchandise that empowers people um, to work towards their OCD recovery. And we take a lot of concepts from OCD therapy and turn them into products that people can have around them to remind them of what they're working towards. And we also have things that advocate for what living with OCD is really like. Uh, And my motivation for running that shop comes from being someone with a lot of lived experience with OCD. I've had OCD since I was a child. Um, And yes, thought stopping has been a very important part of my journey and recovery, which is why we're going to talk about it today and why I am dedicating a very important product in the shop to that and the whole concept and spreading the word about why thought stopping is not helpful, especially for people with OCD.
0: Right. And, you know, I think thought stopping, if you don't know much more about it, you know, unless you kind of get into what it is that you and I are going to get into a little bit, I think intuitively it kind of makes sense. Like when we have these kind of spam thoughts or bad thoughts or just unpleasant or disturbing thoughts, which again, we all experience, right? So, We've done research to determine that ninety five to ninety nine percent of people have these intrusive thoughts, these scary thoughts or images that come out of nowhere. Um, and I think the one to five percent of people who say no are either lying or they have no idea what the question is about. So, Um, I think it's safe to say that regardless of where you're from or your mental health background or status or wherever, um, you have every once in a while, these kind of junk or spam thoughts. And sometimes they just don't make sense. They're not consistent with your character. Um, Sometimes they can even be really disturbing or really distressing and scary. Um, And so just basic OCD cycle here is that while everyone experiences these intrusive thoughts, ideas, images, impulses, Or feelings, um, people with OCD and anxiety tend to misinterpret that as somehow being significant. So there are a couple of different ways that people can do that by either over-evaluating how responsible they are for their thoughts, um, over-evaluating like how much they need to or can control their thoughts. Um, There's a lot of different ways that people with OCD and anxiety can kind of misinterpret an an intrusive experience that we all have and and really truly means nothing into meaning something. And so then the OCD experiences, once we feel like we've kind of attributed some significance to that, then we feel a lot of anxiety. And one of the ways that, you know, with the best of intentions, just trying to feel better and to regulate or become re-regulated is to get those experiences to stop, like, just stop thinking about that, stop thinking about that, you know, stop feeling that way. Stop letting that image come into your mind. Um, kind of whatever you do, like, do not think about that. Whatever you do, do not think about that. If you think about that, something bad is going to happen. Um, and so that's what we call thought stopping. So, um, before I get into any, anything additional related to thought stopping, Elise, can you maybe fill in the blanks that I might've missed? Like how did thought stopping come up for you? Um, so
1: as I was listening to you just now, it's interesting because I feel like the general population, um, I'm not exactly sure how to word the population I'm talking about, but especially people who have maybe never been to therapy before. But it's very common for people to tell someone who's anxious about something to just stop thinking about that. And uh, the problem is that you keep thinking about, it, like, just stop, just distract yourself. So I think the problem, like, people with OCD especially, they get caught up in doing it to themselves, but I do think that message also comes from other people, and, like, in
0: society, people tend to say that a lot. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, it's so true, but I didn't even really think about that, like, it's not just intuitively that we feel like that's a go-to resource for us to cope with these thoughts or these experiences, but that other people can push that on us, right, like, caregivers, loved ones, you know, you know, just stop, like, what's the big deal? Just stop doing this or whatever, as if it's that simple, um, which can obviously be super invalidating and a frustrating experience for people who have OCD. So, um, yeah, so it makes sense, right? Like why someone, especially someone with OCD and anxiety would want to stop these thoughts because we experience them as highly anxiety provoking. Um, we have over importance of thoughts, which means that we, more than a, someone without OCD and anxiety, we tend to feel like, oh, I had that thought, that therefore that must mean something. Um, whereas other individuals are kind of more easily able to just let it come and let it go. So it totally makes sense, you know, why people with OCD and anxiety would want to stop these experiences. So it makes sense they're uncomfortable. We want to be comfortable. We are driven to get to a state of where we are comfortable. The problem though, with thought stopping is while it might make intuitive sense and it might work really quickly, maybe for a couple of seconds, um, it actually has a rebound effect. And so, you know, we find that the more that you think about something or the more that you try not to think about something, um, you know, don't think about that. Don't think about that. Stop thinking about that you have a rebound effect. You end up thinking about it more.
1: Yeah. So um, when I was a kid and I was in therapy, I learned there was this example that my therapist used that I've since realized a lot of people's therapists use this example. Um, It's the pink elephant. So um, if I were to tell you that you can think about anything right now, but you can't think of a pink elephant, what are you thinking about?
0: pink elephant. Yeah. It's- if you're asking me, but I think that's a good thing for our audience to, to think of, right? Like everyone out there, when you're listening to this, whether you're walking or driving or whatever, just for the next couple of seconds or, or whatever, just try as hard as you can not to think of a pink elephant, no matter what you do, do not think of a pink elephant. Something bad could happen. If you let in even one thought of a pink elephant, if you think of a pink elephant something bad could happen and you're not going to be able to tolerate it. That's all we end up thinking about is a pink elephant, right? So it just naturally has this rebound effect where you end up making more of that. And at least, why do you think that is, I have some thoughts on that, but why do you think that ends up happening when we try to suppress a thought, which this is also called thought suppression in case anyone else out there is kind of used to that term. Um, why do you think that happens?
1: Um, I would think it's because your body's now like perceiving it and your mind are perceiving it as a threat. So then it's looking to make sure that the threat isn't there, which actually makes it what it's looking for. It's all very (laughs) confusing. Um, Like I can remember many times in my life waking up in the morning and being like, Is my obsession from the day before still here? And it wasn't there until I started to wonder if it was there and then it's back. Because you, in order to look for something, you have to be thinking about it. If you're not looking for it, then it's not on your mind, if that makes sense.
0: Right, and and you're bringing up two pieces, like two different areas that I wanna go down. One, which is just this simple confirmation bias, right? So we are all as humans wired to actively look for information to confirm our fears. So, uh, the best way to kind of describe this is if you're looking for something, you're going to find it. So, um, if on your way to work, I tell you to look for all of the blue Jeeps, you're going to find a lot of blue Jeeps, probably more than you noticed in other drives to your work, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there are actually more Jeeps on this drive, it just means that you're paying attention to it more, right? Whereas before you weren't necessarily paying attention to it. So, you know, the whole concept is, is if you're looking for it, you're going to find it. So even, even though maybe superficially or verbally, we're trying to tell ourselves not to look for it, we're telling ourselves to look for it. It reminds me of my toddler. You know, I think we can all relate to how if a toddler hits someone like their brother or their sister, you're not supposed to say don't hit your brother or your sister. It is tempting to do that. And I feel like that's what rolls off of our tongues the most. But what we're actually supposed to say is like, be gentle with your sister or keep your hands to yourself. Because by saying don't hit your brother, don't hit your sister, you're actually putting more emphasis on what not to do. You're putting more emphasis on the behavior. Um, And that leads me to my second point, which is exactly what you were saying, Elise, that By saying, don't, 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 don't think this, you're giving your brain the message that this content, that this experience is somehow threatening. Um, Alert, 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 this is threat, threat, threat. And our brains don't know what's bad or what's good or what's threatening or what's not. It doesn't know that we have OCD. It only keeps a documentation and a record of how we respond and how we don't respond. So if we are constantly responding as though something is scary or threatening, our body and our brains are going to keep a documentation of that. So as we continue to do this thought suppression, as we continue to stop these experiences or try to stop these experiences, um, knowingly or not, and certainly with the best intentions, we are providing our brain with that documentation that this is scary. Keep this in mind for next time. Be even more alert so that we don't have any more of these thoughts. And of course that just further reinforces the cycle.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. And I always thought that the pink elephant was a great explanation for a child. Um, Like I was a child when I first learned that metaphor and it just, is much simpler than explaining thought suppression or thought stopping, even though it really does explain it the same way. It just sounds,
0: it just makes more sense. Right. And you could do it with anything, right? I think I was reading, um, Kimberly Quinlan's self-compassion workbook for OCD, which is amazing. And I think she does the same thing with a green apple. So you could really do it with anything, but the pink elephant is just a really key concept in the OCD and anxiety community. Um, I think Dr. McGrath even has like a little pink elephant, like sculpture or like piggy bank. Um, in his, on his desk. So um, yeah, it's kind of a, like a key concepts in um, treatment. So Elise, from a, from a person's perspective of someone who's been there and who struggled with this, I'm sure there are tons of people out there who are thinking like, well, what do I do instead? <laughs> like, what do I do instead? Um, so, so yeah, what, are, what would you say to those people out there when they're like, okay, I know what not to do, but like, what do I do instead?
1: This is definitely still a tough question for me, um because I definitely still try to push out certain thoughts. um it's you would think after ten years, maybe I would have a little bit more insight, but um, I do know that, if you have a thought, i, I it's very hard for me to explain. I was worried you were gonna ask me this question honestly. <laughs> uh let's see I'm just trying to think I'm trying to think of it the theme I with for me harm OCD is when I really had to put this into practice the most because those thoughts were once I was like wow I really don't want to think about this ever again like I need this to never be in my head ever again but obviously that doesn't happen um I know for me it was kind of just like trying to continue on with whatever I was doing before I had the thought um, and not really engaging with it being like, I didn't try to stop and like explain to myself why I had the thought or um, tell myself not to think about it. I do know also that sometimes bringing the thought up on purpose, which is kind of what ERP does, you bring it up on purpose and then sit with the anxiety until Um, it starts to diminish Um, yeah it's just I'm trying to think of what I've done because at this point now with harm OCD I'm so used to those thoughts that I'm just like ooh, that was interesting
0: well and I think I I think that's the perfect (laughs) example right like you can notice the thoughts non-judgmentally. You can notice them. You can maybe be aware of them, but you're not paying them much attention, right? So I think it's that fine line between awareness, being aware of a thought, noticing it, and then being able to kind of let it be there. You know, we're not rushing to stop it. We're not rushing to fix it. We're not, we're certainly not ritualizing through it or doing self-assurance or anything else. Um, We're noticing it and we're moving on. You know, we're moving on with whatever it was that we were going to be doing that day. So were you going to continue opening your mail? Were you going to continue cutting up vegetables for dinner? Um, Continue doing the things that you were doing. And just, you know, that thought can either come with you or it cannot come with you. It doesn't necessarily matter, right? And and it seems like you've kind of gotten to that point, but, you know, it takes a lot of consistency. It takes a lot of practice. Um, And I guess my advice more from like the therapist standpoint would be, as far as what to do instead, um, you could do what you said, at least, which is certainly like welcoming the thoughts, bringing the thoughts in. Um, I kind of like to view myself and help my members try to interpret this like OCD as almost like a video game, almost like a challenger. So instead of having that threat, threat, threat mindset where we you know, naturally want to retreat and move back and ritualize um, or thoughts stop in the situation instead trying to view it as a challenger, trying to view it as a mental game. Okay, I'm having these intrusive thoughts right now. I'm going to keep cutting these vegetables up. I'm not letting go of this knife. I'm not going to try to figure out what it means about me that I have these thoughts. I am letting those unanswered questions be there. I'm going to keep doing whatever it was that I was doing. And you literally just keep bringing it back to whatever it was that you were doing And it's going to feel like a gnawing in your brain, right? It's going to feel like, you know, very anxiety provoking. It's going to feel like you have these urges to ruminate or to try to figure it out or to do X, Y, and Z, maybe get rid of the knives or whatever it is. But over time, if you continue to practice that you're laying down a new neural network for your brain that, whereas before it was threat, 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 this is very scary. You can't tolerate this. You have to stop these thoughts. It's like, huh, okay, I guess I don't need to like stop everything that it is that I'm doing. I don't need to bring attention to this. This is neutral information. I'm good to go. I can move on with my day now. I've often said that one of my favorite go-to self-care routines is to get my nails done. But if you're like me, then you just can't justify salon prices or the harshness that these bring to your nails. Olive and June allows you to get the salon quality manicures and pedicures at home. You can easily go up to seven days without chipping. You don't have to leave the house and you can finally stop spending $35 or more every two weeks on getting them done. For $10 off your first order, head to my website at www.jennahoverbaugh.com and click on Deals.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm just sitting here thinking about how nice it is that I don't flip out every time I have a thought like that now, because I mean, it's been 10 years since I started having harm OCD as a theme. But in the beginning, I was like sleeping all day just to avoid being awake and like having thoughts. So I'm just like, it really does work. And it's very nice. Like the payoff is,
0: it's very good. So. Well, and, and you bring up payoff, which is so interesting with OCD treatment, right? Like the short-term benefit of the compulsions, obviously, that you feel better, um, for even if it's just for a couple seconds, couple minutes, or a day, or whatever. Um, obviously, the long-term consequence is that that anxiety comes back, and you're probably going to stay sick, if not get sicker, right? Um, the difficult part about exposure and response prevention and not stopping your thoughts you know doing the opposite which is allowing them to be there if not leaning into them and welcoming them in is that in the short term it feels really uncomfortable it's awful and it might even feel worse than what it did before right like if if you especially have that extinction burst where your anxiety gets even higher um but the long-term benefit is obviously what you're saying at least which is like that you can recover and that where you used to sleep all day you're now able to like have these conversations and look back with this gratitude and like holy cow I can't believe that my life is so different now that's just so cool no it really is that's awesome so speaking of pink elephants um again because it is such a prime and like central concept in OCD treatment Let's talk about just what you decided to do with this pink elephant. Yes. So
1: um, obviously, this concept is very important to me, as I just kind of expressed that it really changed my life, Um, the idea of being able to accept thoughts that come through that you don't like. So the pink elephant is very dear to me, and I've known about it a very long time. Um, So I did want to find a way to bring community or that lesson if someone hasn't heard it Um, to other children with OCD so what I have a pink elephant sticker in the shop but I wanted to take it one step further Um, and I designed a pink elephant stuffed animal and it will tell the story of the pink elephant example on the tag so that anyone who sees it can learn it Um, and so I'll be selling those in my shop and every time one is purchased one will also be donated to um, a child that's in residential treatment for OCD. So it'll be spreading the message um to children across the country who are away from home and trying to get a handle on their OCD and they have something to like physically comfort them and also remind them of what they're trying to do. So I'm super excited about it. It's probably my favorite thing that's in the shop or that I've done with the shop. So
0: it's gonna be really special, I think. Yeah. That's so so cool, and I think you know you'll have the benefit of giving these children, um, you know, a nice surprise, a nice gift um, during a really dark, um, isolated time in their life. Um, you know, obviously being away from friends, being away from family, that can be really, really difficult. Um, so I think you'll give them that benefit. And what if these, what if these kiddos didn't realize thought stopping before, right? Like that might be a huge turning point, like a kind of clarity moment or a lightning bolt moment um, where maybe they realized that they were doing something that they didn't realize they shouldn't be doing. So I think it's what you're doing is super important. Um, I agree. I think this is big, everything that you've done so far, like the stickers and everything else has been so special, but there's something just really amazing about this. Um, and the pink elephant, you guys is so darn cute. Oh my gosh. And it's big, it's big. Um, so I know our audience members, I am going to post a link for you guys to all of Elisa's stuff, her, um, Instagram page. I'll post her, Um, OCD and recovery advocacy and recovery shop Um, and I'll also post a link like for the wait list so that everyone can kind of learn more information but just tell us like what it looks like really quick it's so cute I love it
1: yeah so it's I have mine right in front of me I have the one prototype because the rest that's why it's a wait list instead of a live order but um, it's 12 inches tall it's light pink it's got these big floppy ears it's actually it's a really high quality stuffed animal it's very dense um it has pink toenails you know because a pink elephant in the wild would probably not have white toenails it was like we gotta play with this a little and it's got these big black eyes it's and it's sitting so it can be put anywhere very easily i have one on my desk where i put everyone's orders together and I just think it's going to be, it's really fun. I honestly, I don't have any stuffed animals besides this one. And I am not, I would not have pegged myself as someone who would have bought a stuffed animal. I'm I'm 25. Nothing against stuffed animals. I know the squish mallows or whatever they're called. They're very popular right now. But I have found a lot of comfort actually just from having one. I look like having the pink elephant. I tend to look at it whenever I'm like getting very obsessive or compulsing a lot in my room. And I feel like it's just watching me. And it's like, don't, don't <laughs> do that. You know, you know what to do. It's
0: like so I actually it's really your, it's like your little, little teammate. Like it's your, your OCD recovery mascot.
1: It is. It feels like it's so different than just getting like a pink elephant like in a store because you know that it's tied to the OCD community and it's benefiting other people with OCD so I feel like it knows what OCD is just like inherently
0: Mm -hmm. for sure yeah definitely different from just like going and getting one online you know from from someone else um this is special for sure um and just me knowing like I have never worked in a child or adolescent um uh residential facility, but I've certainly, um, worked with the adults and especially just like around the holidays, like it's never, there's it's never a good situation when you are needing residential treatment for OCD. It's never a good situation to have no other option really than to just abandon your life and pick up and move somewhere else for 45 to 60 days, if not longer. So, um, anything that we can do to, uh, cheer up these kiddos. Um, maybe, hopefully, teach them something else. I think that's really, really special. So, um, yeah. Can you think, Elise, of anything else that we might have missed, or any last-minute um, kind of words of wisdom for anyone out there who's struggling with thought stopping or just OCD in general?
1: Ah, uh, <laughs> like trying to think. I feel like we really covered it. I think in general, it's just let let your thoughts come and eventually they'll go there's a song um it's called (laughs) the song title is actually very long it's nothing that has happened so far has been anything we can control which is a super long title I really like
0: that
1: yeah I did I got into it during COVID which I feel because someone showed me it during COVID like during the first lockdown which it was very appropriate for that but um there's a part in it where they say here it comes there it goes and I tend to think about that with my thoughts and like my obsessions because you can like see it coming and it gets really scary and then before you know it it's gone wow yeah
0: Yeah. that's so true so yeah um thank you Elise, for being here uh you guys if you're listening um just head to the show notes I have links there for the wait list so that you can check out uh the pink elephant, you can see exactly what it looks like and learn more about Elisa's mission. You can check out her OCD recovery and advocacy shop and also check her out on Instagram and see all the other cool things that she's doing. So, um, Elise, thank you so much for being here and I will catch you guys next time. In the meanwhile, keep doing all the hard things.